amplified. Hello, everybody. My name is Amner Martinez, and this is the Amner Martinez podcast. Um, I'm very excited about this episode. I'm truly excited. Um, but as you can hear, I don't have my co-host with me, Kenji. He decided to take a day off, do some self-care, uh, manicure, pedicure, shave his legs. I think he said uh, Brazilian something, so maybe. But um, I'm extremely excited. Uh, all jokes aside, um, I spoke with the director of civil and human rights for the city of Des Moines, Joshua Barr Esquire. He uh, he's an extremely intelligent man, and um, I'm, I'm honored just to have him make time for me. Um, he has a, a law degree. He went to Penn State University, uh, doctorate from the University of Southern Cal Southern South Carolina. I'm sorry. Um, he's award-winning, um, just to name a few. He won the uh, 2019 Public Servant of the Year, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Make a Difference Award, 40 Under 40 in 2019 honoree, and it's the list goes on and on and on. Uh, the man speaks English and Spanish. Um, so uh, I was extremely nervous talking to him because I have none of those. <laughs> so, but... Um, it, it is exactly what you would expect. Um, we talked about uh, uh, the insurrection, uh, history, and why history matters, uh, and why uh, racism is, and how racism is in, ingrained in, in, in our society, and what we can do to, to overcome it. So um, without further ado, this is Joshua Barr, Esquire. Joshua Barr, Esquire. I, I cannot think of a better person right now to, to be speaking with. It, I believe in the universe. I believe that everything, that timing is perfect. And, um, the you know, we're, we're on the heels of... Uh, Martin Luther King's day on the heels of a crazy last uh, couple of weeks with the insurrection at the Capitol, mm -hmm. uh, freedom of speech. Um, I guess both sides could be p claiming, you know, civil and human rights <laughs> violations, right? I feel really lucky that I, I'm able to to speak with you. Well, thank you. You work for the city of Des Moines as the director of uh, uh, civil and human rights. Um, but it's, it, to me, it seems like your job is, you know, more in depth than that. I see, I've read some articles that you write. Um, so you won an Emmy for, uh, for a documentary. Um, but right now, um, I kind of wanted to kind of just get the sense of how, what are you making of these times right now, of what we're living in? with all this crazy stuff happening? Well, I think, you know, in, in, in honor of, you know, the time and 
Martin Luther King Day and, you know, his birthday just yesterday, his official birthday just yesterday. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think he said it best. We must learn to live together as brothers and sisters or we'll perish together as fools. And I think, you know, it's just predicting him right. We have yet to shake the three evils of our society, which is uh, militarism, uh, materialism, and racism. And those things still consume us. And, and until we address the evils of our society and learn to engage one another, again, we don't live in ancient times. We, we don't have to be barbarians. There is an abundance of wealth. There is an abundance of resources. There is an abundance of uh, technology where we could all benefit, we could all thrive. But as long as we still focus on greed and judging people on the color of skin and, and based on gender, et cetera, I mean, this was, this was only gonna happen. And I think right now is a pivotal moment in not just our country, but the world. I mean, every, every generation has a, a, a defining moment and, and then the decision and, and, and then how they act on it in epic, something that defines a generation. And right now we're going through the COVID-19 pandemic and we're still dealing with the pandemic of COVID-16-19, that being racism, mm -hmm. uh, that virus we have yet to shake. And then we're also um, dealing with political ideology, the way your politics. And therefore, if you think different from me, you are my enemy. And, and so we have at this moment, this pivotal moment in time, the ability to change our trajectory. But here's the thing. If we try to ignore it, we try to put it away. If you're not actively trying to avoid something, you're headed towards it. And I think we've intentionally, we, we've been trying to run away from racism. We've been trying to run away from the pandemic of poverty. And because we try to run away from those things instead of addressing it and accepting who we are as a nation and, and our wrongs and trying to dress it up in liberty and justice for all, rather than talking about a stolen land uh, built by a stolen people, then we're going to keep coming back to this cycle and it's just going to escalate and escalate and escalate and escalate. Um, and so am I surprised that has happened? No, but I wish it would have never happened. I think many people were worried including myself and for my family uh, around election time, like, should I get out of town? And, you know, and now you have FBI agents and National Guard at every Capitol building in the country because they're worried about insurrection and armed violence, not against black people, mm -hmm. but against, you know, the, the, the people they fed that, you know, you are exceptional because of the skull of your, your mm -hmm. skin, whether, uh, you know, uh, subjectively or, or, or explicitly. So, we have to deal with our demons. You know, every family has this dysfunction. And unless you actually address it, that's the only way you can cure yourself. And so because we fail to address it, we're going to keep coming back to this over and over again. From 1861 to uh, 1968 to 2020, 2021. Do you think, um, do you think that this is a time of reckoning for uh, European Americans? or quote-unquote white people, um, because this insurrection, um, this, is, this isn't like the 60s, right? This is like this, what people are calling the, the, the new 1776. Mm -hmm. um, do you think this is a, a breaking point for a lot of 
European Americans, white Americans? Well, you know, they've been talking about, you know, um, one day, you know, European Americans will no longer be the majority. They're talking about like 2042. And sometimes they push it back a few years, like 2045. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's a fear for a lot of people because they've been at bed because you are white, you are exceptional. And, but, and some people have the fear that if I'm no longer the majority, I'm losing power. So Mm -hmm. uh, some of the acts of the current administration, uh, which by the time this may act, they're they're, they're the former administration, the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. uh, Some people think those actions were taking place to make sure that we uh, push back in regards to uh, the, the, the growing, um, the, the growing group of the global majority, that being, you know, Latino Americans, African Americans, indigenous cultures. Right. Um, and so, and so, so that, that does scare a lot of people. Uh, and, and when I say a lot of people, I'm talking about Europeans, it doesn't scare me. Uh, right. and, and the thing is, I think that fear is misplaced because, you know, if you think we're coming back for everything you owe, you know, I, I think most people, just want to be treated decently they just want to be treated fairly and they want to have fair opportunity to succeed for themselves and their families so this misplaced that if we're not the majority you know uh, you know they're gonna they're, they're gonna implement all these programs that just benefit their kind is misplaced because uh you know there's no one there's no group of people i believe that desire to be more American than uh, persons of African descent. We've always been trying to get in the house. Uh, whether mm-hmm. that desire has been misplaced or not is another is another question, but I don't think pe- persons of African descent uh, are, are trying to uh, destroy people. And I know the indigenous culture, I know they're trying to wake people up to we're bigger than just greed. We're bigger than material. That's the world. We can share this world and we could all benefit from it. Right. And so I think a lot of that fear is misplaced, but it is there. Um, but again, uh, I think our education system uh, has to lay some of the blame for 2020 uh, and a number of things. But I think when you look at, um, you know, the people who are, you know, anti-maskers and, and, and feeling like wearing a mask is tyranny and, and not teaching about the Spanish flu and, you know, and even with uh, the protests following post George Floyd and people like we won't change. I mean, uh, Martin Luther King marched so that we could get in the house and transform things. And protest is still our main form of, 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 of expressing ourselves in regards to injustice. Then we haven't come as far as we thought. And so, and, and so, yeah, people are scared and they have this misplaced fear that, you know, you know, and it, and it stems from centuries, you know, right. there was always this fear of, you know, allowing black men the opportunity to see because they thought they were going to take their white women. I mean, if you watch the birth of a nation by uh, D.W. Griffin from that's one of the, that's considered the, the, the classic upon classics in regards to motion pictures. It was, uh, and it's literally about uh, the Ku Klux Klan rising up to protect white women. You know, it's, uh, it's, so, so we have to, so we have to understand the history and why they have this fear and then teach them that is also misplaced. Um, using the examples we talked about with persons of African descent and indigenous culture. Uh, One of the things that, um, you know, I got into some debates um, and I hear it a lot and I question that myself um, is, uh, you know, some people, and this comes from white people, Latino, even some African-American that they say, 
not everything is about race. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I battle with that because if you dig deep enough, it is. That's my opinion. What What mm-hmm. do you say to someone that that says, not everything has to be about race? Well, again, I think you have to know your history, and uh, and and those who don't know their past is like walking in the dark. And of course, you don't think it's about race, but if you understand the history of this country and how it was founded by taking land away from people of a certain hue and keep pushing them back and pushing them back and killing them, and then having another group of people based on it because they had a different hue build up the land and you know, prior to um, Columbus and all those persons coming here and ravaging the land and killing the people, there was a belief that once you became Christian, I had to treat you decently. But then, it, but then they came up with, with new ways of saying, okay, no, these are pre-Adamites, meaning that they're savages and they can never be like us. And you're creating laws uh, where, you know, when you have uh, indentured servants who uh, run away and you have an, 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 an Italian and, and an Irishman and a person of African descent run away. And when they get caught, you know, the, 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 the two persons of European descent uh, get light sentences and they just get to finish up their time. But John Punch, the African, is the one who gets uh, uh, servitude for his entire life, which was essentially the start of slavery. And why did you give? They all did the same thing. Why, why does one person get uh, more uh, more disparate treatment? And you right. have to understand the history of how, um, you know, separation came to be. When you look at uh, Bacon's Rebellion, uh, and this is going back hundreds of years. Uh-huh. And the fear in Bacon's Rebellion was Bacon, uh, a person of European descent, uh, saw that as a poor person, there were people in the colonies here in America that were eating good and, and they were being denied. So what did he do? He got more people to look like him and he got people of African descent and got some indigenous persons and they started going around killing people. And their journal saying that what would happen if all of a sudden the poor people got together and rose up of all races and all skin color. So what did they do? They tried to say, hey, y'all can't hang with, uh, you know, you don't hang with, you're, you're one of us. Don't go with them. You know, and they tried to make um, laws to separate people and that uh, you can't be, you know, black persons of African descent could not be in the same room and congregate with persons of European descent. And, mm-hmm. and they started making laws to separate us. Uh-huh. And this is by design. And when right. you look at even moving forward, uh, the New Deal with uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt and trying to create social security so people would want to work and, and, and have something left for them when they get older and, and, are, and they're no longer able to work. And Southerners were like, yeah, we're okay with that as long as you don't give it to farmers and, and maids. And who were the farmers and maids? Persons of African descent. Yeah. And even when you look at waiters and, and bus porters back in the day, um, and when you tried to implement a minimum wage for persons, this is a part of the New Deal. You say, okay, you can do a new, you can do minimum wage, but just don't do it for, for for waiters. Why? Because we were the waiters, and you didn't want to give us a minimum wage. You said we had to work for tips, and and this is all, and this is how deep racism runs. I mean, even going further with Ronald Reagan, uh, of the the president of the United States in in, in the 80s. But he was also the governor of California. When he was governor of California, he stood up for gun rights until the Black Panthers 
wanted guns. And then all of a sudden, he, he implemented laws to take away those gun rights. And then once he became president, he stood up for gun rights again, uh, trying to get the NRA endorsement. You have to understand how deep this runs. Right. United One of States, the things that I've been looking at uh, uh, was the redlining, mm-hmm. um, uh, which, you know, it's it's about housing and, and uh, where the government was directing banks to invest in. They basically uh, mapped and they color-coded everything and don't right. invest in the red areas. And by coincidence, uh, you know, a lot of African-American and Im- immigrant and people of color lived and in the green areas where they were giving the money to invest uh, is where, you know, white people were living, which were the suburbs. Exactly. And why is that important? Because most Americans, uh, they build their wealth through uh, home ownership equity. And if you don't invest in a neighborhood, the property values continue to be deprived and you cannot build up something for your family. And, 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 you know, our modern day wealth is bought to us uh, by uh, the FHA, the federal housing administration, creating uh, these, these programs and these loans, the modern day mortgages that we did. This is a government program that was designed uh, to give persons here in the United States a leg up on building wealth, but it was de- categorically denied until 1968, 12 years before I was born. My parents were 18 years old and are still alive. Um, they were categorically denied that opportunity to build wealth in a capitalist uh, economic system. And again, why were we why were we denied those opportunities? Because we were, our only goal here was to be cheap labor. Right. And in a capitalist system, there always has to be a slave or, 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 or labor class. And after the end of the Civil War, there's a great journal entry by a former slave owner. He says, now, now they tell me I must treat the Negro uh, with, with respect, but my goal is to pay him as least as possible. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and he, had, he says, you know, now there's nothing that separates us but the all, almighty dollar, and I will give and I will pay him as least as I can. And, and, you know, it's like, this is by design. And when you understand the history of the country, what you talk about with home ownership and all of these other programs in regards to social security and regards to uh, uh, wage tips and, and minimum wage, race has been at the core of all of these things. And because we have failed to address it, it is all about race. And, it, and that does play a major factor in uh, the prosperity of generations. At the end of the Civil War, um, the African-American community here in the United States only had 10 cents of the wealth of whites. And guess what? In 2021, we still there. We are still there. We And again, until we actually reimagine our country in 2021, um, and try to undo the things of the past that continue to separate us and fragment us and cause people to live in fear that they're going to be robbed and attacked. Um, we're going to be right back here again and again and again. And when I say again, it won't, probably won't be tomorrow, mm. uh, but it's, it's always going to come back around. History doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes, and we are just keep rhyming and rhyming and rhyming because we fail to do the things necessary to change our country, to change our nation. So Mar- Martin Luther King, uh, in one of his uh, 
answers in an interview said, um, you're asking for a bootless man to uh, pick himself up from uh, from his bootstraps. Something I'm paraphrasing, but um, but and I say that because I hear that a lot, right? Like a lot of people are like, pull yourself up from the bootstraps, you know. Um, is is that the saying? Am I saying it wrong? Um, so yeah, you're asking a bootless man to pull himself up by a bootstrap, but he he I, he can't do that without you. You have to give him the materials in order <laughs> yeah. to succeed. Yes. Yes. Okay. And 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 that's the um, argument of like that is the superficial argument of uh, a lot of people, right? Like, hey man, pull yourself from the bootstraps, like you know. But we really, you know, no matter who you are, this is my opinion. No matter who you are, um, in this society, let's be specific to the United States, right? Um, you didn't pick yourself from the bootstraps because from the day you're born. Your, your parents, uh, on their way to the hospital, they rode on roads that were, you know, uh, built by the city, by a municipality, mm-hmm. uh, lights. Um, you get to the hospital, which is a lot funded by the government. Uh, you know, you're born, uh, you get a name that's not, you don't, you know, you didn't pick your name, yet you become part of, you know, the system with your birth certificate, and you go through an education system, and... You know, that is public. Most of the people go through public education. So, you know, th- that's that's where I kind of like to bring it to people when they're like, uh, when they say, put yourself from the bootstraps, and I did this on my own. Nobody gave me anything. In the womb, you're already, you know, being helped in any way, shape, or form. Um, you know, there was a system around you that helped you move up, and especially if you were white, then your path was a lot, you know, um, clearer than uh, an African American or, you know, a Native American for that matter. So, what is your argument with to people that say that that say pull yourself up from the bootstraps? Well, well, well first of all, I would tell them to attempt to pull themselves up by the bootstraps, and you know, actually, you can't do it. Uh, you can't. It, uh, it's it's a metaphor. You can't really do it. And I'll say this: no one starts at zero uh, in life. Uh, you don't wake up being born having to learn how to create electricity, start a fire, uh, you know, build build a refrigerator. Uh, we all start somewhere. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there are some people that in some families and some communities that have had bigger advantages. I mean, here's the thing: life. Uh, birth is a crapshoot. Uh, and, you know, I was born with uh, a lot more melanin in my skin than most people. Uh, my family uh-huh. uh, was a family descendant of, uh, of, of African slaves. And my grandfather, excuse me, my great great grandfather, his name is Virgil. He uh, was, his father, Virgil, was also a slave. And after getting free, they bought some land close to where they were enslaved. And in the midst of that, that land was taken from him by a European American. And guess what? Back in the day, you couldn't testify against them. So you could just take the land. Hey, they, that guy owes me money. And they took the land. And my grandfather and his brother worked to get that land back. Uh, and they eventually did get it back. Uh, but, you know, you, 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 we have to understand. We're not, I, we, we try to live in this myth of rugged individualism. 
And it is just that, a myth. Um, you know, they, we didn't get to where we are today building houses and living in, in cities uh, and having hospitals through rugged individualism. You can't do this by yourself. This is how yeah. we got here collectively. Right. We got here collectively. Try to build a house by yourself. It's impossible. You, yeah. you, you, not, not, not the house I'm living in. I mean, to do, to lift these big, uh, these big timbers and, and big wood, it's, it's an impossible task. Collectively, we could build so much more. And my, my ancestors wouldn't have gotten through uh, slavery and American segregation and lynching through rugged individualism. We have to, it's just that, a myth. And, and, and the thing I'll say uh, is this uh, on this subject, you know, everybody needs somebody, you know, George Washington did not win the American Independence War by himself. There was uh, thousands upon thousands of people that fought in that. Lincoln uh, did not save the Union. It was uh, hundreds of thousands of persons, including 187,000 uh, persons of African descent fighting to preserve the Union. I mean, and even Jesus Christ had 12 disciples. Yeah. Everybody need somebody. You can't do this work by yourself. Because if there was no disciples, we probably we wouldn't even be talking about Christianity. Right. And so we have to understand you can't do this work by yourself. And because and, if that was possible, if one person could instantly change the world and change their circumstances, it would have already been done. We wouldn't be talking about what happened January 6th. I hope not. Um, and, but we have to do this work collectively. We are one interconnected species and we need to work together to improve things and stop hanging on to this Horatio Alga rags to riches individual uh, rugged individualism myth because um if you were doing this all by yourself uh we were all really individuals yeah. uh we'd have to learn how to make our own clothes we we all speak a different language yeah. we're a society we yeah. are a society and we slave and owners we needed the, the slaves slave yeah. owners needed slaves uh the people that because there was some africans to that, build their wealth yeah right <laughs> so, so uh, some africans that were selling slaves too right um to you know when they were shipping them to uh to here to america so th there's always a need for somebody in order for something to happen it, it, it doesn't it doesn't just happen by yourself and that's the Oh, that is an illusion is it th that you're like, yeah, because you hear people say this, you know, you, you hear people say like, nobody gave me anything. I did this all. Whatever I have, I earned it all by myself. And it's almost like they believe it. Right. They believe right. it. And then so then then because they believe it, you, you it's hard to penetrate that argument because they truly believe that they they fuck everything they have. Um Somehow they did it all by themselves, but I wanted to ask you this: so, the the, so when the insurrection happened on January sixth, um, obviously the the uh, response of the police was different. You know, it was obvious that uh, there was lack of of um, of security, and the approach was different. The they treated them differently. So then a lot of people started to see that, right? That a lot of people saw the difference between when uh, African-Americans, uh, people of color, minorities, oppressed people, they, when they march and when they protest, they get treated differently. So um, LeBron James uh, said, uh, we live in two different Americas. What do you, what do you say to that, um, to that comment? And what's your 
what's your opinion on 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 the response that the police had or the government had you know with one when one group marches is one type of response when the other group marches is a different type of response well i mean people have been saying two americas for for generations frederick douglas said it uh, john edwards in 2004 ran a whole campaign on two different americas uh, you know it, it, we, we've been saying it for years Mm-hmm. And pe- and people who again those believers in rugged individualism are are the exceptionalism of Europeans are saying ah you don't know what you're talking about you know I I I and now we have tangible proof mm-hmm. that here is the difference in the way when persons of African descent and and other communities get together and march versus persons of European descent and here's the thing. It had actually happened months before when they tried to storm the cap when they stormed the Capitol in Michigan. It already happened. It doesn't right. happen to those people. Right. Like so, like we we we've had examples over and over again. But but you know because it was at a, a state capital, it was no, it was it got some coverage. But this one you couldn't run from. Right. And 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 so we see these people are are now. Let, let me be clear. The U.S. Capitol is the heart of law in order. This is where laws are made. Right. Laws are made in the US Capitol. And then you have these people try to charge the heart of law and order. And almost nothing happens to them. (laughs) How does that happen? You know, how does that happen? You know, marching in the street uh in 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 any city, ninety-two percent of of the protests from uh, this past summer were, were peaceful, 92%. And, and, and this wasn't just United States where people were protesting. It was, it was worldwide. You, you go from Paris, France to Hong right. Kong. People were marching all throughout once George Floyd, uh, went, after George Floyd passed away and uh, Ahmaud Arbery before him and, and Breonna Taylor. And in um, and, and, and the heart and the spirit of Trayvon Martin and many others. Uh, so, and, 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 and we were immediately tear gassed. Uh, even here in this city, uh, people were hit with, uh, you know, rubber bullets in different places around the country. They were beaten. You have videos of that. Sometimes people just standing there, pushed back, falling on their head and then starting bleeding out of their ears. Like you have to understand that anytime you try to stand up for the rights of humanity, you are shaking the system and the system wants to keep you want you to be docile and follow the rules and not upset the apple cart because there are certain people that benefit off, off of us not upsetting the system or trying to gain rights for others. Uh, and, and again, a lot of the people who are doing the tear gassing and, and doing the shooting and doing the beating, I mean, they, they, they should be on our side. Yeah. But instead, they're against us because they think, oh, I don't want to let go of this paycheck. Oh, I got this mortgage. And they're treated a certain way. And then when these people that look like those officers on the other side, the officers don't know how to react. If that would have been <laughs> persons of, of, of African descent or, or indigenous groups, et cetera, man, you charging the capital, the heart of law and order, man, that, that would have been a massacre and it would have yeah. been justified. Yes. It would have been justified. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I hear people say, oh, well, one woman died. Well, that one woman was trying to go through a window where there was uh, Congress persons and senators yeah. on the other side. And they're like, oh, you know, some people are like, All right, well, you know, one person. I mean, thank goodness it was only one person. Right. Gee, I mean, yeah. Because it could have been much worse, and it probably would have been if it would have been people that looked like us. And and the thing that you don't see, 
that 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 we have to talk about is you know a lot of the people who really uh tried to stand up and and try to prevent it were people that look like me there's a gentleman uh, by the name of mr goodman who i think was eugene goodman he's going to receive a medal from for taking away that group led by a person from des moines yes uh taking them away from the senators away from the congressman and after the protests and after them writing and breaking things and, and getting to the seat of the Senate and not dying, mm. you have persons of African descent, you have Latinos and other groups cleaning up the mess yeah. of white folks. Yeah. I mean, and that's something we have been doing for generations. You know, we, we, we've always tried to try to help the country be better and, and try to clean up the mess of what happened in 1781 when the constitution was signed you know with the with the enslavement of other groups and we've always been trying to teach the country to be better you're talking about um like washington dc right like if they have you know they they should have or they do have all the resources to protect the city and the, oh, no the those buildings I, yeah i mean they, they, there are videos from 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 you know the protest of, of the summer and, and the national guard was already out and, and and the thing was the protest from the summer wasn't even coordinated like mm -hmm. there were twitter and parlor messages and facebook posts about stop the steal on january 6 and speeches given and and the and the president saying it's going to be wild and we're going to you know other other people prominent people saying we're going to take our country back and and feeding uh, these misinformed people, uh, a lot of them being misinformed on, you know, that, that there was a steal of the election. I mean, and normally, and we go back in time, I love going back in time, we talk about J. Edgar Hoover, uh -huh. uh, who was the who was the director of the FBI for 48 years, uh, up until 1972, I believe it was. And his whole goal in life was to prevent a black messiah. Uh, there's a whole memo on it. He's talking about really? Stokely Carmichael and Martin Luther King. As long as Martin Luther King preaches the the the, the love uh, portion and healing, he was okay. Uh, but then Martin Luther King changed his stance and he he died in 1968. Um, but his whole goal was prevent a black messiah. He had two programs: the COINTELPRO, which is a counterintelligence program, which was designed to get information on 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 SNCC and 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 Southern Christian Leadership Conference and the Black Panther Party. Uh, and also the ghetto informant program, GIP, and inserting people in there into these programs that cause strife and, and, and issues amongst the various uh, groups uh, to, to cause division in order to break them up. Now, those this is documented factual evidence of the FBI and the other groups trying to dismantle black persons, persons of African descent, trying to get rights, not just for them, but for other people within this country. And here you have Twitter and Facebook, and it's all being posted. And we weren't ready for the response. Right. Why? Because of the color of skin. And of course, there are going to be some people I will never be able to convince of that argument. Yes. But you know what? I'm no longer trying to reach those people. If this is not enough to show you that, that, there, is, that there are two Americas and the poverty pandemic and the disparities in poverty and the, and, and the disparities in, in a number in, in mortality and health issues, et cetera, and this isn't enough, I may never be able to reach you, and I'm probably not the proper messenger. Maybe it's someone <laughs> that looks more like you to, to, that needs to reach you. So, what I had this this question, uh, and um, you know, obviously Martin Luther King is a a, um, a hero to many people. 
uh, and an icon, and uh, you know, but not a lot of people think in in this way. And I wanted to kind of present this. Um, like, am I my brother's keeper? How do you answer that question to yourself? I am not an activist. You know, mm-hmm. I don't consider myself one, but I do care for people, and um, so I've 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 asked myself that that question. You know, when I say my brother, I don't mean immediate. I mean just my human, my fellow human brother. Um, because some people don't don't see it that way. They're just they're individualists, and they mm-hmm. they want to just you know as long as I'm good, I'm good. And you know, yeah, is there some shady stuff happening on over there? But I'm just gonna look away. I battle with it. Maybe you don't. You're completely like full on. Like I'm fighting for my uh, fellow humans. Should I cl- care about the plights of others, and should I be in the fight? Now mm-hmm. you, you said I'm in it all the way. No, let me let me be clear. I struggle with this too because okay. you know th- th- all, all but you know, and I and I'll try to get roundabout about it. You know, I, I think you know part of me and my struggle with it is that you know. I've come to the recognition that, you know, even if I solved all of the world's issues tomorrow through uh, economic policies and new laws that create opportunity, and that's how you make changes through when we live in a, a country and a world of law and order, you have to change law and economics. Uh, there'll be new issues tomorrow. Mm. And because that's just the way human beings are. We're always in conflict. And, and, and that, you know, you know, I, I've had bad brothers and sisters and my, grandmother or mother or father would come in and fix the issue and then we'd be fighting it a little later might not be the same day but we, two days later we fight again yeah that's it, just the way human beings are made to conflict that's just who we are it's in our nature um i would I, but the thing is and so part of me feels like man if i solved all the issues of the world there'll be new issues tomorrow so you know if i should just focus on me because these issues are going to be here beyond my lifetime that's mm. That, that's something I think about sometimes. Yeah. But at the same time, I recognize that we don't have to live in a world where skin color and 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 and, and sex and and sexual orientation, et cetera, or where you're where you were born in the world should define your outcome. It should be based on your principles and your actions, not skin color. And that's what I fight for because I recognize that, you know, as a person that works for government and has three degrees, but a lot of student loan debt. Cause I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. And maybe, and, and, and why am I fighting so hard? Because I understand where I come from and I understand my history. You know, I think about myself, you know, my very first day, uh, truly practicing law, I was given a tour around, uh, the County courthouse where I was born in the County I was born in. Okay. And I'm walking through that courthouse and I'm walking into the various, uh, uh, courtrooms and judges are making decisions and I'm walking in behind the judge and, and through the door the judge comes in and I'm looking down and I'm seeing people that first of all look just like me they're males they're, 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 they're of African descent but they're also people I went to middle school and high school with and I'm looking at like wow uh-huh. one wrong move that could have been me yeah. and it's like and, and, and it's like these issues affect me and you know as someone who uh, with my hue and with my melanin, I've gone to different places. And, you know, one of the first early examples I ever got was I went to this place one day wearing a suit, 
uh, because I needed another suit because I was going on a trip and if I and I only had one suit. If I would have went on that trip with just that one suit uh-huh. uh, to a mock trial conference, a multiple day mock trial. Hey man, that's the same suit. You're poor. Oh god, <laughs> called me. He called me. I asked how I'm poor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I went there wearing the suit because we just got a mock trial, and I went there wearing the suit, and man, I got treated with the most, with some of the greatest customer service I ever got in my life, and they would help me try on things. And this, this is a group of of of, 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 of European men, just you know, showing me around, sizing me up, etc. And they sized me up, but guess what? I didn't have the money that day, so I said, "Hey." Can you put this on hold for me? Yes, sir. Yes, yes, sir. Uh-huh. And I went home, begged my dad for some money. Please, dad, you promise to take care of me. Now it's time to pay up. Uh, and my dad gave me the money. So I went back on Saturday, but I went back in sweats. Uh-huh. And I went back in this store, and it was like I was a pariah. Nobody wanted to talk to me. Nobody oh. wanted to help me. And it was the same people. Yeah. And so they didn't see me. They saw my suit. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my money elsewhere. And that helped me to recognize that no matter how far I go, no matter how many degrees I got, no how, how much money I got, it's still color of skin. Even living in Colombia, South America, I was a professor there. And, um, you know, I, I taught classes and I was, you know, in Colombia, there are a lot of persons of African descent and they're very poor. And typically, no matter where, where you go in the world, the darker your skin color, uh, the, the poorer you tend to be. Right, and so yes. I was teaching this class and, you know, uh, you know, I was pretty popular on campus. Everybody knew me. Mm-hmm. And one day, I, out of my element, a.k.a. not on the university campus, I saw one of my students at night, and I walked up to approach him, and he tried to walk away. And then I said in English, because I taught my class, hey, man, you going to teach a professor? He said, oh, my God, teacher, I'm so sorry. It was like, oh. all he saw was a black person. This was, one of, this was a student who was, like, very interactive, always emailing me stuff. And I was like, yeah, it's just that reminder. And, and so I'm in this fight because I know that one day, one wrong move, one, one thing, it could be just like me. Skin color matters. And I can't be foolish enough to think that with money and degrees that I'm safe. I'm not. Mm-hmm. And that's why I fight to change laws and policies. And that's why I'm in this game. And so, yes, I do believe that I am my brother's keeper because uh, the motto of the NAACP is lifting as we climb. And because I know that um, if I go back down the ladder, I'm going to need one of my people to help me up. So why would they help me if I haven't been helping them? So I'm in this fight, uh, whether I want to be or not, because capitalism can blind you with money. And all of a sudden you just say, ah, I got mine, money, 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 money. But no, 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 no. It's deeper, much deeper. You do see some some rich, um, and I'm going to bring up Lil Wayne, but Lil Wayne said, I don't believe in racism. And you can have your opinion about Lil Wayne, you know, whatever it is. But he he has a platform like like Kanye, you know, they say things that um, let a lot of people hear. And then if you're an, uh, a white person, a European American, uh, you're like, yeah, see, racism doesn't exist. You know, Lil Wayne mm-hmm. said it. Kanye said it, you know, because their platform is big. You know, these guys say something and somehow... You know, white people will use that as in, like, see, uh, see, there you go. There's a, there's an African American, there's a black person saying that racism doesn't exist. So, but I wanted to touch base on on economics because uh, you wrote a, a, an article. Um, it's a find a a better way. It's a fifty plus action items to fight against racism in your community. 
It's an amazing article. There's literally 50 plus items that you give in detail on uh, on um, what you can do to fight racism. Um, and there's a couple of words that um, stick up uh, to me, uh, which is economics. And uh, you also use the word infiltrate. Um, can you kind of... Uh, Give, give me a sense of your approach of the economic issue that could be an ingredient to make a change in racism. Okay. All right. Well, you know, again, I mean, I, I, I consider myself, you know, in, you know, independent thinker. I don't think just like everybody else. I mean, I know sometimes, uh, people try to paint me with a broad brush and just say, oh, he's a social justice warrior. That's, uh -huh. that's only part of the equation. I'm not saying I'm not, and I'm not saying I am. I'm just saying I'm much deeper than that. I don't think, you know, just like, you know, just because I have dark skin doesn't mean I think exactly like every other person with my skin color, as you just noted with Kanye and Little West, we are, uh, Little Wayne, we are not a monolith. So right. the thing that I, the thing I'll say is this first, you know, there is a big group of people who are, you know, anti-capitalism. But the thing, we, we have to deal in reality. Um, and reality is capitalism around the world has won. That is the system in which we operate in. So utilizing, understanding that knowledge is that capitalism is the system that we live in. Um, not to say it could never change, but it's the system that we live in. Uh, therefore, if you're going to change the system, use the other word, infiltrate. You have to get in the, you got to get in the house and change the system. Uh, because the system is the one that has all the resources to, to quell uh, any sort of uh, rebellion or insurrection, especially if you have my skin color. <laughs> Maybe not so if your skin's a little lighter. But <laughs> they have all the resources. So we have to get in the house. To think about it. If you think about the way we were treated, uh, people that look like you and I this past summer, Huh. Um, imagine if the police chiefs and the police officers looked like us. You think they wouldn't have some empathy towards our cause? Uh -huh. There are videos where, um, and even happened here in um, here in Ankeny, the police chief, uh, Chief Potts, who happens to be of African descent, uh, a gentleman had a uh, uh, Black Lives Matter poster. Someone called the cops complaining about that, and the police officer showed up, saw what it was, and just went home. And, All right, that's not an issue. Yeah. And then the next day, I believe it was, Chief mm -hmm. Potts, Chief of Police, marches with that person and some of his officers uh, saying Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. like, which was a completely different reaction from what happened in Des Moines. Right. And, and, and that's why representation and infiltration matters, mm -hmm. because you, you get a little more empathetic when you understand the plight of people. And, 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 and that's why I say that we have to get in the house to improve the situation, to create laws and policies that, that will give a leg up and opportunity to expand opportunity to groups who have been historically denied those opportunities. Because again, we live in a country and a world where the power and influence you have is kind of either locked into uh, position, power, and, and payment, how much money you have. Uh -huh. And so, and so those are the people who get recognition. And you mentioned Little Wayne and Kanye and some of the things they said. They, their stories wouldn't catch any news media if they didn't have money, if they didn't have, right. they weren't popular. And right. so we have to get in the door. We have to gain position and we have to gain power in order to change the economic condition 
of our people so we can change our communities and so we can change our nation so we can change our planet you know there, there are great examples of robert smalls uh-huh. <laughs> i use i use as i love history okay. so Ro- robert smalls was, was a person who was enslaved in south carolina my, the state i was born in uh-huh. and uh his 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 so-called his, his, his enslaver his, i won't say so-called i was gonna say so-called master his enslaver uh rented him out to to, to the boats uh, and the boating uh-huh. dock. So then we had the Civil War, uh-huh. and Robert Smalls worked on the planter uh, ship. And on the planter ship, he was so he learned what the captain was doing. He learned the signals. He learned where everything was, and he became so trusted that when in the, when the Confederates were fighting against the Union, they trust him to steer the boat wow. in in proper directions. And you know what? He did good. And guess what? They got so comfortable with him, they left him on the boat alone one night. And you know what he did? He took his family and 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 his friends. They got on the boat, uh, drove past Fort uh, Fort Sumter, which was the start of the Civil War, uh-huh. and used and used the boating signals that he had learned uh-huh. to pass by the Confederacy and drove the planter into Union into Union territory, and then became the captain of that boat. So we got to get in deep. We got to understand the rules. We got to understand all the plays, and then use that to our benefit. Uh And Robert didn't just do it for himself. He got his family and friends on the boat, freed Uh all of them. And eventually, once after the end of the Civil War, he bought his master's house. And that's how deep we got to run into this stuff. And we can't just... We can't just say, I got mine, because if if you try to go out there alone, they'll snuff you out so quick. I know they try to do it to me. They snap you out. So you can't do this work alone. There was three other persons on that boat with Smalls uh, to help get it across. I mean, we cannot do this work alone. Mm-hmm. And we have to get in deep. We have to understand the rules, understand the system, never forgetting who we are. That's why the key is to know your history. Um, because, you know, people without a history are people that are lost. Yeah. And, and so we have to know our history and then dive in and understand the way this game works and then use it to the benefit of all of humanity um, and, 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 and in the name of the planet. And when you say infiltrate, run for city council, vote, get to know your local uh, mayor, governors. Uh, you say go to coffee with your city council. Yeah, yeah. I mean, r- relationships change hearts and minds. You're not going to change nobody's relationship yelling at them. I mean, I, I don't believe in you know, getting in, 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 in pointless debate. My goal is to, you know, I don't want to feel good. A lot of people, you know, they, they just get in a debate, especially in this social media age, we yell at people and berate people and call names, and you feel good about it. Uh-huh. But where have we really gotten? Have you just created a new enemy? Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, there are some people who are m- just misinformed and misguided. And if you yell at them, they'll never be guided, you know, because most people don't want to be yelled at. I grew up in a house of yellers. Last thing I wanted is to be married to a yeller. <laughs> or, or, or be around you. So it's like you, you can't you can't change people. Relationships change hearts and minds. You have to build relationships and gain mentors and understand what they do. Because again, I'm not talking about coming back for everything you are. I'm talking about building a greater humanity. Right. And 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 to do that, you have to build relationships. You have to understand why people think. Now, are there some people who cannot be saved? I, I think so. Uh, but 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 I think most of humanity. Uh, wants a, a good life for themselves, a better life for their children. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the thing is, that becomes misguided when you think that the only way I can build a better life for my children is by putting my foot on your neck. No. Mm. Uh, that, that builds animosity, that builds hate, and that just creates an endless uh, vicious cycle. 
And the economic factor that you speak of, is that just by changing policy? Can you dive in a little bit on the on the um, uh, what the role of economics can play or in in because uh, um, I I think last time that we talked, we talked a little bit about reparations. Maybe not as much as it was, you know, ten years ago. But some people are talking about it. But there, is, there is a uh, Ice Cube is saying, "Where's the money? You know, where is the capital?" Uh, Killer Mike and a group of uh, other African Americans, black leaders, are starting uh, the the bank called Greenwood. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your take on that? Uh, on the economics, and do you have any specifics that you could say this would be something that? is real, that could be implemented, and that could benefit? Well, I'll say this. Um, You know, first, the the, the older the problem, the older the solution. And Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm just speaking, in this this case, I'm speaking specifically for uh, probably the African-American community. I'm not talking really about indigenous cultures because their problems are different from ours uh, mm-hmm. at, at its foundation. And so I, I would never want to speak for them uh, in that aspect. But when, when I'm thinking about African-Americans, you know, is African-Americans is about opportunity lost. That, 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 that's, that, that's, that's what it's really about. We were taken from our land where mm-hmm. we could have cultivated and flourished. That's what we hope. And we were back to another land and, and made to work for free. Mm-hmm. And then when we finally got free, we weren't given the, 40 acres and a mule are the benefits that indentured servants got when, when that was the system because indentured servants typically got a gun, uh, some corn, some, some, some coins, and, and maybe a piece of land. And they were able to start. We were not given that opportunity. Uh-huh. And then, so we had to fend for ourselves and build for ourselves. And even then, we were dealing with issues of segregation and, and being denied opportunities that were given to other people. Uh, in the midst of the Civil War, uh, you know, European Americans were given the ability to go west, and they were able to stay on the land here in Iowa and other parts of the Midwest and further. And they stayed on there for five years. They were able to stay on that land and have it. But we were not given that opportunity because of our skin color. You uh-huh. talk about redlining and the and the inability to build wealth, and so it's all about opportunity loss. Right. And so when I'm talking about economics in 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 that portion. It's about restoring those opportunities that were taken away from generations. And there's no one simple solution because here's the thing. If you don't, and this again, the failures of our education system. If you don't teach people about money and how to build compound interest and you give them a check, first thing they're going to do is blow it because we are a country of materialism and consumerism. And that is not the way, you know, the, the way uh-huh. is to build longevity, material, material things won't make you happy. Right. Now, now, now money will solve a lot of issues, but I'm just saying just material items will not, will not make you happy. How many times do you ever say, Oh, if I just get this, I get that, I get that PS five. I'm, it does I'm it. Good. But you know, that feeling only lasts for a moment. We have to learn how to be content with who we are on the inside. Uh-huh. So when we talk about economics, I'm thinking about it from a, a, a multitude of factors. I, I don't think there's one, there, there, there's no one size fits all. We are give them a check and that'll help. Now, now if you give me some money, I'm not going to turn it down. Let me be clear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but what I'm talking about is number one, an investment in real practical uh, student led education, where you are allowing them to flourish in their talents and their passions and understanding who they are, not just trying to make a good uh, worker or uh, for, 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 for the workforce. We want people to tap into who their talents and who their passions are. Again, 
an opportunity lost when we were taken away from our land, an opportunity that continues to be lost when we don't really invest in our children, but rather into a system that just makes them uh, minimum wage workers. Uh, you know, we, 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 want, we want to find out who they are on the inside. And most of our school systems do not do that. Most of our school systems do not teach about stock market. They don't teach about real estate. They don't teach about uh, compound interest and, and how to do taxes. And those are things that you need to know in a capitalist system, in a system where, 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 where wealth is what defines how, how, how well you will do in life where regarding health and, 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 and mental health and physical health, et cetera. So we have to have those conversations, but we also need to invest in job skill training programs because, you know, there are a lot of jobs that have been lost from the 80s, the 90s, et cetera, the, the NAFTA and all these other and all these other things that are taking place and jobs are going overseas. And these people need to be retrained and not people that just look like me, but I'm talking about if I took you to South Carolina and some of these small towns, you'll see this one factory that's dead and been abandoned for years and you'll see uh, poor uh, persons of African descent and European descent. And these right. people need to be re retrained, reskilled. A lot of people need upskilling uh, to get them out of the, the lowly jobs that they've had and, and, and improve, provide opportunity for the family. But we also need to look at marijuana and, and why marijuana is illegal. And that's based on racism, the history of you believe that Mexicans and, and African Americans are going to give that to white women, take them over, over state lines and rape them. I mean, that, that's, one the, that's one of the things that really brought about um, fear of marijuana and making it uh, an illegal drug. So, so, so we you, have to you're thinking it's a everything. sweep of all sectors of society. Yes, we have to look at every institution. Uh-huh. You break down your article in, in three different sections, and uh, one of those sections is economic and other equitable policies that mm -hmm. you can... You can You know, I, the reason why I l love speaking with people like you and I do this podcast is because I'm basically re-educating myself. Um, I, I grew up mostly in this country's educational system. Uh, and you realize that uh, it was just all a farce. You know, here we're gearing towards the end. I wanted to touch on one thing that, um, you know, we're... It's it's a uh, being debated um, a lot, and it's it's the the freedom of speech. The what it where where is the line where the government can come in? Hate speech, freedom of speech. Uh, you know the 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 big social media tech companies basically are banning Trump right now. What do what do you think the benefits of that is, if there is one? And what do you, is it a good thing for hate speech to be? Banned, or for the government to have a say in what speech is hate and what speech is not hate? Well, you know, first of all, I'll say Twitter and Facebook are not the government. They are private companies, and you have to abide by their policies. Right. Uh, again, li 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 living in a country of rules, uh, if, if, you know, you know, in, in, in private, this is the part that always confused me, where someone's like, oh, I have the you know, I have the right not to wear a mask. Yeah, uh -huh. you do. But when you enter into Walmart, a private business, and they say you must wear one, then guess what? Right. You got to follow those rules. It, it's it's funny that most of the people I see that are anti-maskers, et cetera, are, are, are people who, you know, don't, you know, are typically capitalists who seem to don't understand private business when that's something that they always fight for. It's kind of, yeah. what? You don't, you don't know that Trader Joe's is a private business that can ask you to leave if you don't abide by their yeah. policies? 
uh, as long as, you know, it's not based on a discriminatory basis, like, yeah. And so when you have Facebook and all these other groups that are, 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 are banning uh, space, uh, hate speech, but also just, just, just uh, urban, urban myths and, 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 and just conspiracy theories, I think is a good thing uh, in, 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 one, in one fashion, just because there's so many conspiracy theorists out there. And, and I'm not just saying uh, Europeans, but, you know, growing up as a black person, you know, there, there's always, you know, a conspiracy theory. And, 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 but here's the thing, we, we seem to have lost our critical thinking skills. We don't actually question what people are telling us anymore. We just take a meme and we take, you know, a post and, and take it as gospel. And I'm, uh-huh. I'm, I'm always questioning anything that's ever told to me, anything ever sold to me. Yeah. And for some reason, we seem to have lost that. So I, I think, uh, you know, it, it's it's horrible that 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 the leader of the United States has to get banned off a platform. But if it can stop the, if it can stop hate and misplaced hate, uh, I think that's a great thing. And I think, uh, you know, these forums need to do more of that because I think one of the issues you've seen, most people are like so surprised by you know, a lot of the things that are happening that have happened in our country over the past few years, I'm talking about beyond and before Trump, but I'm like, man, have you ever read like, uh, you know, a, a news story comment section? Like, man, it's just filled with hate. It's yeah. just like, wow. I mean, and places like NPR and CNN and other groups, uh, even Fox news lately, they've gotten rid of their comment section because it's just so filled with hate yeah. and, and misinformation. And, and, and yeah, we, we need to stop the spread of, in, of, of ignorance because, um, you know, there's a saying that, you know, the, a lie travels, uh, you know, halfway around the world before the truth has even got to yes. shoot. On. Yes. And, and so we have to be careful with, uh, with, with, with in this information age where things spread in an instant, where we're spreading uh, false things, where we're, we're spreading hate and misplaced hate uh, on the people. So I, I'm all for it because... We have to differentiate private business with government too, right? Yeah. So yes. uh, because uh, you know, even if you walk into a bar or a restaurant, it says we reserve the right to serve, you know, uh, any patrons that we, you know, and they some bars even have uh, dress codes. Mm-hmm. You know, like no baggy pants, no this, no that. No, no, some of those dress codes are, are targeted towards people. Exactly. Let me yes. be clear. Let me yeah. be clear. It's, it's, it's that that racism, that, which yeah. is a difference. <laughs> so, and, and that's one thing that, for example, going back to the people that I was talking about earlier that um, said, you know, not everything has to be about racism. Those are the subtle things that you don't see, right? When a club has these. Uh, uh, dress codes that says no baggy plants, no hoodies, no hats, no this. No pimp boots. Yeah. It's it's basically you know there there's a reason why they have that, but because they've never lived that, they don't see that as a as a racist uh, approach. But it is. They, they're just trying to keep out certain demographics. Yeah, I mean, out yeah, of their business. Yeah, and it, and it's happened to me before. I mean, and I you know I, I had this girl I was dating once, you know, and we went, she wanted to go to this club with me and she was a clubber. Uh, I really wasn't, but you know, <laughs> I dragged along. You know? uh, but, you know, I, I walked in and this is me in law school and a guy saw me like, now nah, you can't come in with those boots on it with Tim boots. And I was like, uh-huh. and so my girlfriend, cause I live very close. I, we'll just go back and change them. We got back. I was like, I'm not going. She's like, why? Cause it's racist. I mean, yeah. what? You know, it wasn't based on anything. I said, it wasn't no message. It was just like, you think, you know, black persons with Tim boots, you know, carry a certain stigma yeah. uh, with them. So it's like, 
you know, I, so so you have to look for the subtlety in certain things. Yes. But I think when you, when you talk about somebody spreading riots and insurrections and and lies about scams of the election and things like that, that's not based on racism. That's not based on sexism. That's based just on ignorance. Right. And we have to be eradicators of ignorance. Uh, and I think. You know, you know, in, in the words of Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. It's sad that it took this long for those things to happen because there have been other misinformation that has gone around from different groups. Uh, and uh, but, you, but 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 their failure to address those things got us to the point where we are January 6th. Do you think uh, going back to the freedom of speech thing? So uh, we differentiate private business. They have, you know, the right to uh, uh, establish their policies and and. Now, the government, what is your take on, on the government um, ref, uh, uh, arbitrating speech? Do you think the government shouldn't have a say in speech? Uh, well, I, I, I'll say this. I, I, I'll say this. This is what I'll say because, you know, this, this is a, a, a personal matter to me as someone from the South who's seen a number of Confederate flags uh, fly in the face, uh, you know, fl flying in my face for, uh -huh. for years. Uh -huh. I, I believe that a person should have the right to say whatever they want. Cause it's really not freedom. It's really freedom of expression. Uh -huh. I, I believe you have the right to express it as long as it's not about, uh, you know, traitorous action. I think the Confederate flag, we should treat it like we should treat it just like the, the Nazi symbol, which it was, was against the United States, right? Like, the, yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. These, these are traitors. Yeah. Like, no, 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 we're not selling that. And, and it, it has been good lately because I think after George Floyd, uh, although I want much deeper economic policies and laws, but some businesses, uh, such as I believe it was uh, eBay and Amazon, they, if you were selling Confederate flag material, they just said, we, you can't sell it on our website anymore. Okay. And I think those things, those things are good. Those are important. I mean, we should not be supporting uh, lies and traitors. That's right. not what we should be supporting. You know, the Confederacy was not about state rights. If you, if you read the succession papers, nowhere on there is state right mentioned, but slavery is mentioned 30 times. Um. So, so we, we, we have to, we have to be honest. So I think, Again, I, I, I uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a tricky situation. Should should the government be telling me what to do? And I think when it's for the safety of its people, hell yeah. Uh -huh. uh, so uh, that, and I, I think that's where it lies. And 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 in the Confederacy and the conspiracies regarding states' rights and, and misinformation, we have to ban that stuff. And I think again, a lot of it plays into our education system, which, as you mentioned. Most people in the United States are in our education. We have to transform that because there's a lot of misinformation and a failure and a fear to talk about certain things in our education system because it's, oh, we, if we talk about this, it's going to make people think bad about us. No, we have to understand, you know, this is who we are. And you young people have the ability to make sure it doesn't happen again. And that's why history is so important because if you don't know where you're coming from, then you're probably going to wind up right back where you started. And so it's like you, you have to, our education system needs to be completely transformed, mm -hmm. like just just thrown thrown away and say, <laughs> we're, we're going to create yes. a better system uh, for everybody. Yeah, and I think so many other systems need to be looked at, too. But I, I think a big part of it comes back to our education system. What is school for? Uh, and if you believe it's for the uplifting of our uh, of our young people to be everything they could be and to create a better country, then damn it, we need to look at it again, because right now it ain't working out too good. Well, so Joshua. Um, 
I think I think I'm gonna propose to you a maybe a quarterly uh, catch up podcast with you, just so because <laughs> I can <laughs> we can go on and on and on um, because there's just so much to uh, discuss, you know. And I think it's it's good. Maybe if one person hears this and they're like, oh, you know, just tweak their point of view a little bit. I think that's a good thing, um, but. You obviously work for, uh, uh, you're the director of uh, the Civil and Human Rights Commission here for the city of Des Moines. Tell me a little bit about what you're working on in 2021. How does it look like? And um, obviously your office receives uh, phone calls from people or, or complaints. Is that, can you break it down a little bit? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, so, you know, our primary mission is to uh, investigate uh violations of civil rights in regards to employment, public accommodations, and housing, where a person saying I was treated differently because of my race, sex, color, creed, uh -huh. national origin, sexual orientation, gender identification, familial status, and age. So we look into whether or not a person was discriminated on those bases, uh, including claims of sexual harassment in regards to housing uh, and employment. So so that that's that's the reason why the office was created uh in part in part it was created to investigate cases of discrimination but the other part is was to create opportunity we are an equal opportunity law enforcement office and uh -huh. so um and somehow along the way it, it i think people got confused and thought that if we all if we investigate cases of discrimination eventually we'll solve issues with racism sexism etc <laughs> wrong uh you have to, these issues run deep so you have to dive into the root of the cause in a country of uh, law and economics, you got to improve the laws and, and, and improve the economic conditions. So the second part of what we do uh, is we really engage community about, you know, what is racism, what is sexism, what is homophobia, what is xenophobia, uh, et cetera, uh, and, and really educate and have those discussions on the issues and, and do dialogue with community. But then we also propose policy. Uh, that's been a big part of what I've really strive to do is be a, a is to be an office focused on policy change to improve the conditions of our community. So through our initiative, uh, bridging the gap, we have uh, put forth about uh, 19, 20 recommendations. Some of those things have already come to pass, where uh, source of income is now a protected class, meaning you can't discriminate against someone uh, from applying for uh, a housing uh, oh, because they have section eight or because oh. they have social security disability, et cetera, because now discrimination is very overt. They're not saying, you know, you know, N word to your face anymore. They're just saying, uh -huh. Oh, sorry, we don't accept section eight right. vouchers. Uh, we don't want Chicagoans coming in here, which AKA word for uh, African-American. So, yeah. so, so we, we, we passed that. We also got a policy passed where, uh, city employees, which include police officers, cannot inquire about a person's immigration status unless required by law. Uh, we just are uh, trying to transform culture. We got uh, cultural competency training passed for uh, all city employees. We also uh, just recently uh, got it where city employees can now get time off to volunteer in the community, paid time off, eight hours uh, mm -hmm. eight, eight hours a, a, a calendar year because we want to create a, an we want city employees to be ambassadors and to be in touch with the community. We're working on a, a housing policy, housing incentives to get more city employees to live in the city. About 65% of employees uh, live outside of the city of Des Moines. That's almost 80% of the police department lives outside of the city. Uh, we're working on a workforce equity plan to make 
uh, the community more represent more reflective in, in, in city government workforce because uh, some departments are 100% European American uh, when when European Americans only make up about 75% 74% of the population here and mm-hmm. and so many communities feel underrepresented when they look at city government from uh, the outside uh, outside positions such as uh, the in your face positions such as parks and, and police and fire uh, into the inside with the city clerk and this and this and city legal, uh, et cetera. I mean, there is one diverse office. I, I don't want to, you know, toot any horn, but it's the civil human rights department. <laughs> yes. uh, right. but, so, we, so we focus on that, but we also focus on, uh, in addition to uh, law and, and improving, you know, in trying to improve the conditions of the city for everyone, we also focus on changing hearts and minds. And that's where uh, breaking bread, building bridges comes in. Uh, in our in our, in our human rights symposium, breaking bread, building bridges, which you mentioned earlier. That's project. the one that you won the uh, Emmy for. That yes, congratulations. That, yeah, thank you, thank you. And and with that, we put uh, you know about forty persons together, matched them up based on their differences. They had dinner together over a course of a few months, uh, sometimes in public, but in but then they went to each other's homes and got to know each other, uh, and they walked away with a different perspective. And, and I think that's the thing that we have to do more of uh, because it can't just be about law and economics because then people are fighting uh, because they don't believe those laws. So you have to also build those relationships too. So yeah. Oh, they approved that. Okay. That's good. Cause you guys needed that. And guess what? That helps me too. Like, okay. Now, now I don't have to live in fear. Like you guys have opportunity, et cetera. Uh-huh. So, so, so it's, it's hard to minds, but also law and economics. It, it's not, it's not either or it's both. Uh, but again, uh, even if I can't change your heart and mind, then please improve my laws and economics for me. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so, what, it, what, what was that quote? What, we do. what was that quote that Martin Luther King said? Uh, uh, a law cannot stop a man yeah. from uh, hating me, but it can stop him from lynching me. Yes, yes, and that's a very important. That's a very important thing. I mean, I think. You know, you know, the, the law can't make a man love me, but it can it can prevent a, it can prevent a man or, or hold him off from lynching. Me. Right. And again, in a country of law and economics, we have to improve the laws so we can improve opportunity. Joshua, I cannot thank you enough for uh, for being gracious and uh, giving me more of your time on our conversations. I really enjoy learning from you and um, and uh, asking you questions. Uh, I love your approach on history because I'm a history I love history as well, so uh, because I think it's that's kind of you know, w- if we if we understand it, then we can understand where we are, and we can kind of see if we want to go that same route or not. Yeah, I, I agree. There's so many people saying we're still dealing with this in 2020, and I'm like, yeah, because we didn't deal with it in 16. I mean, you know, 1861 and 1768 and 1968 and yeah. and you know and 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 2013. Uh, you know, it's and, until you deal with the past, it's always going to be the present. Yeah. Uh, uh, post George Floyd, and I'm always going to try to speak yes. light into a dark place. And right now, we're in a very dark place, and I'm going to always try to speak light. And my yes. and my goal is not to bring down people, but to bring people together. Because yeah. only collectively can we work our way out of these situations. Amplified.